Welcome to Rumble Strip. I'm Erica Heilman. And this is a Vermont public radio series that I produced called They Are Us Inside Vermont's Mental Health Care System. Today's show is sort of the title show. It's called They Are Us. Welcome. I think the biggest problem in mental health care is for those people who have the most serious conditions. And this is a very small number, but the fact that we can't provide immediate access to care is clearly the number one problem and it needs to be addressed, and it needs to be addressed soon. That's Ken Liebertoff. He was the director of the Vermont Association for Mental Health for 30 years, and the problem he describes isn't new, and it isn't unique to Vermont. In 1963, the Kennedy administration passed the Community Mental Health Act. It was a response to the inhumane treatment of people with severe mental illness who were being warehoused in mental hospitals. The idea of this legislation was to close the hospitals and integrate people back into their communities with the supports of new community mental health programs. Also, that people with serious mental illness be given a chance to recover and make meaningful lives in the real world. But the community mental health programs were never funded as intended and still aren't. To be honest, I didn't even know what community mental health was until I started working on this show. I mean, I figured it was mental health for the community, but I had no idea what that really meant or looked like, I guess because I never had to know. So here in Vermont, we have 10 nonprofit organizations around the state called designated agencies, which are contracted by the state to provide mental health care in their region. They take all comers from birth to death, rich and poor, And every time there's a new mental health need in the community, these agencies have to figure out how to address that need, too. It's a little bit like an old farmhouse, where you just keep adding rooms off the back when a new kid is born. Here's Anne Donahue, a state representative from Northfield and Berlin, also the editor of a mental health publication called Counterpoint. They really have become a fabric of our communities in ways that a lot of people don't recognize at all. Because it's not those independent kind of medical visits or seeing a counselor at their office. They really play multiple functions that we're not even conscious of. But boy, would we be conscious if we lost them. This is not a building full of therapists, though they have those too. People in community mental health are everywhere. They're in emergency rooms, in schools, in churches. They're in people's homes way out on Class 4 roads. They have teams responding to crises 24-7 every day of the year. They're embedded with law enforcement. They're everywhere. So why are we having such a hard time caring for some of our most vulnerable citizens? Turns out it's a lot more complicated than not having enough beds in psychiatric hospitals. Again, here's legislator Ann Donahue. The effort to close these mega institutions where people were just locked up for life, the concept was twofold, that they would get their treatment needs met through these community mental health agencies, and they would get their living support needs met through public support, housing. It needs both of those pieces. If people don't have a place to live or enough money, they can't live. And then if there aren't enough support services through, for example, a community mental health agency, then the system is, is going to fall apart. And that's what happened. 
but the state of Vermont is rated number one in terms of access to mental health care in the country. And every year there are more customers for mental health services, which is a good thing. But these nonprofit agencies get their money from the state, and the state gets the money from you, the taxpayer, and the money doesn't keep pace with the need. Plus, salaries at designated agencies are famously pretty terrible. Here's Greg Mayers, Operational Director of Adult Services in Addison County. So I would say the biggest problem is workforce. As an agency, we always have very important positions that remain open for years. I have an elder care clinical position has been open for over four years. And it's not that we're turning people away. It's we're not getting resumes in. And those that do come in, we can't meet their pay needs in terms of working either in a larger city like Burlington or in private practice. So the salary to offer these key positions, we just don't have the ability to pay for that. Last year, the, the state of Vermont authorized a raise to $14 an hour. What, what was the pay before it was $14 an hour? Different for different agencies, but anywhere from 11 to 12.50. To do what? Give us some examples of what you what you could be doing for 11 bucks an hour in a designated. So agency. it was not long ago that you could be a case manager in the designated system at 11 dollars an hour with a caseload of 20 to 40 people. So you could be making more at Starbucks, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. Here's Mary Moulton, executive director at Washington County Mental Health. When you're talking about a therapist who is a licensed clinician who could go to work uh, within, um, you know, the Vermont Psychiatric Care Hospital or our own hospital here um, or a doctor's office, for example, for $20,000 more a year, you know, people have to put bread on the table. So what I hear more and more as an executive director is how much people love working for us, but we have to move on. It's a constant pressure. It has been since these systems started uh, 50 years ago. This is Michael Hartman, Adult Mental Health Director at Lamoille County Mental Health. Our vacancy rates in in designated agencies are often as high as 20%. So that means every five years, you're essentially replacing the whole agency. But every year, you're hiring uh, 20% new people. But in terms of being in a field where the demands keep growing, the expectations keep growing, and the technology keeps growing, what we can do in terms of helping people grows almost daily. We can make huge difference in people's lives, but we are constantly sort of balancing against what the resources available to do that with. So we can have some great programs out there, and then the staff positions are empty. Or you can have some really good people working in programs who have to move on to something that can sustain their families. And as a result, you have clients in a kind of need where relationships are everything, where building a relationship with a counselor is everything, your support person. And that person leaves for another job and you've got to start all over again with somebody new. The turnover is incredible. Here's Connie Stapler, the mother of a 33-year-old son with schizophrenia. So my son has had 13 case managers 
And just yesterday, I heard from his wonderful case manager, who he's had for a couple of years. He really connected with her. She sends me an email and says, great news. They've hired my replacement and I've been training her intensively for two weeks. So when we look at the big picture, the global picture of not being able to fill staff positions, not being able to get supported housing for people, the impact on that on individuals is they're catapulted into crisis. And if they're catapulted into crisis, our system is in crisis because they show up in the emergency room. They end up being admitted to the hospital and then they can't get discharged from the hospital because they don't have those supports out in the community to go back to. We actually have some people who get discharged from a hospital to homelessness. Here's Dr. Lewis Josephson, the CEO of the Brattleboro Retreat. When you have limited resources, you have to prioritize. And so, you know, I bet if you went to the commissioner of transportation, he could probably tell you we have 50 bridges in the state that need work, but he doesn't have the money to fix all 50 this year. So he's going to tell the legislature and the governor he's going to do the top 10. Similarly with us, we have limited resources. We want to do everything for everybody, ideally. But if we have this chronically mentally ill group of people who need extra supports and specialized programs, shouldn't they be the priority? Shouldn't we make sure that every region of the state has specialty program to keep those people stable as possible? And so it means making hard choices. But what do we have right now? What we have right now is you go to Brattleboro Memorial Hospital and you find out the stories of people who broke their ankle and couldn't get seen for a long time because there were people in psychiatric crisis there taking up all the resources of the emergency department. You go up to University of Vermont and find out they spent $3.8 million last year just paying for people to watch what they call sitters, to watch people in psychiatric crisis untreated in their emergency rooms. So we're making, by not making choices, the politically possibly unpopular choices, we're making choices and we're spending money. It's just not necessarily thoughtful or for good care and it's impacting everybody. So the pot of money that pays for mental health care is the same pot of money that pays for education, for roads and bridges. Now, imagine if you had cancer and your treatment was limited this year because the state had to spend more money on bridge repair. That's kind of what happens with mental health care. But the root of it all goes back to the discrimination that's inherent in our system when we're not recognizing that this should be our health care system as a whole that's addressing these needs. Where does mental health kind of, where is it in the lineup of priorities in the legislature? In the legislature, mental health is in the lineup of priorities in the same way as everything else, and that is the squeaky wheel gets the grease. So right now, you know, it got some boost in funding last year. It got boost in funding this year because people are really concerned and seeing the emergency room crisis. But it's never sustained. We sustain funding for where the biggest crisis is. That's what government does. People who have persistent mental illnesses, why should I care if they live in the community or not? 
First, we should care as people, as human beings, that we're not just sticking people in old institutions. Second, we should care because it costs a whole lot more money to have people in an institution, whether it's a hospital or a long-term institution, than it does to support them in the community. And finally, we should care because it's us. It's us. It's me. It's you. It could be you tomorrow. It could be your child. It could be your spouse. It happens to people. It's real life, and it can be any of us. So we better care. We better care. There are no other. There are not people out there who are different and other because right now, at this point in their life, they have a label that says they have a serious and persistent mental illness. Because in fact, they can recover, and in fact, they are us. You've been listening to Vermont Public Radio's They Are Us, Inside Vermont's Mental Health Care System. Music for this series is by the bands Godspeed You, Black Emperor, and Esmerine. My huge thanks to the professional advisor for this series, Dylan Burns, and associate producers Mark Davis and Claire Dolan. If you have a comment or a story of your own, go to rumblestripvermont.com and go to the bottom of the show page. Uh, and there's a there's a comment box there. I'll be back in a couple days with part five. Part five is a story about a permanent housing program in Vermont called MyPad. I'm Erica Heilman. Thanks a lot for listening. Thank you.